Well, good day to you, my friends. Shalom. Jim Martin coming to you once again with a study from God's Holy Word. We are continuing our study that we began last week in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 14. And the title of our study is Following the Dangerous Jesus. I do urge you, uh, encourage you to get a copy, download a copy of the of the lesson notes. I've given you that in the comments section or in my Facebook uh, pre-broadcast post. So you can download that if you did last week. I've added a little bit to it uh, in the meantime because uh, I believe God the Holy Spirit showed me as we were going through that uh, regarding the wind and the waves that the disciples were fighting uh, and how that really is uh, analogous to the spirit of our culture and of our times that uh, is opposing the spirit of the living God. So uh, I've included those notes in the show notes. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer and then we will, I'd like to read the passage. This is Matthew's Gospel chapter 14 beginning in verse 22 and going through verse 33. Reach and uh, go and get your copy of scripture in whatever translation uh, or language makes the most sense to your heart and follow along with us as we read this wonderful passage, uh, also a very thought-provoking incident uh, in the uh, ministry life of Jesus and the preparation of his disciples to carry out the work of the kingdom. So pray with me uh, as, as you get hold of your copy of scripture. And we'll read along again. We're in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and we'll be beginning in verse 22. Father God, we just uh, thank you for the opportunity and freedom and wherewithal to uh, study your word uh, via these venues, uh, the Facebook Live and the podcast venues. And I pray that you would take uh, these feeble efforts and and uh, bring for your pleasure and glory uh, the teaching and the admonition, the encouragement uh, that we all need uh, via your grace coming by the Holy Spirit into us. And Father, all that being said, we just commit this time of study to you pray that you would, again, receive glory from it and that we would be equipped to do your work as you have ordained for us. These things we ask with great thanksgiving and praise and, and humility in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Very well then. I'm going to be reading this morning from the New American Standard translation of the Bible in English, of course. Uh, so you follow along in whatever copy and translation and language is uh, makes most sense to you. Matthew 14, beginning in 22, New American Standard. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, 
and this is immediately after the feeding of the 5,000 men, uh, some 20,000 people on the shore, uh, after which, if you recall last week, we talked about there's probably 20,000 people in total uh, in attendance at that event, and uh, they tried to forcibly take him and make him king. Uh, he, he wouldn't have it. He'll have none of that. And because it was not his time, and this is not uh, this is not his entire kingdom, so he retreated, separated himself from the the multitudes, uh, sent his disciples away in a boat, and went up on a mountain to pray. So immediately, that's what went on before. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, and why? While he sent the crowds away, after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. And when it was evening, he was there alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat. And walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat, worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's Son. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Now this is a true story from God's word itself. Uh, this story is repeated in all of the Gospels. Uh, it's truly remarkable. One thing that is missing from all the other Gospels and is present only here in Matthew's account is... Peter getting out of the boat and beginning to walk towards Jesus on the water. Uh, that detail is not included in the rest of the Gospels. But it's, it's here in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, and speculation is he, he and Peter may have colluded in, this, uh, in the writing of this Gospel. Uh, or at least in the authoring of this gospel, the, the narrative here, uh, just saying what what happened back there. At any rate, <clears throat> we talked uh, a great deal last week about uh, why Jesus would send them out by themselves in this boat, knowing, as he has perfect knowledge, that they were going to encounter a storm and really their lives, though they were professional seafarers, uh, their lives would be threatened. 
this was this was not a hollow threat. This was a real life threatening event. And so uh, John's gospel, I believe, uh, and perhaps Mark's, uh, say that while he was on the mountain, he saw them straining at the oars, trying to make headway against this contrarian wind and the and the waves that the Sea of Galilee would easily and often get swept up in monstrous swells and, and waves. These storms would come about uh, suddenly. And just, oh, it's just a terrifying thing for these men. Uh since they were professional seafarers, they, they knew exactly the dangers that they were in. Uh, they knew how to, to handle a boat and the sails and the oars. Uh, they knew what they were doing, and yet the boat was swamped, as Mark's Gospel tells us. So they were in dire straits. But Jesus, still on the mountain, as Mark's Gospel tells us, he saw them in their distress. And what do, we, what do we gain from that knowledge, that information? That in your distress, though you may not, may not be able to see Him, He's able to see you. And He knows the distress that you're in. There's nothing that's going to separate you, right, from His love. That's what Paul wrote in his, in his letter to the church at Rome. Paul wrote, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you may say, well, if Jesus loves us so much, and if God in him loves us so much, why would he send us out into a dangerous place? Well, the, the most obvious answer is to teach us to depend upon him. Uh, we have heard, I'm sure you have heard, people say that God will never uh, put you in a situation that uh, you can't handle. And I, and I say, that's, that's nonsense. You just don't understand the, the life in the kingdom. God most certainly will allow you to get into situations, uh, either of your own doing or by His command, that you cannot handle. Uh, you don't have the, the resources within your human self to handle some things. And we could just go on and on with stories of and examples of, of his faithful followers and children who have had just heart-breaking circumstances, soul-rending circumstances that they could not handle. And they had to cry out to him they had to fall headlong into him for relief and for for being in order to be sustained and to be saved yes god will allow this and to us in our human perspective this seems uh, inordinately dangerous why would you do such a thing because he loves us and he wants us to grow beyond ourselves 
That's his purpose and his agenda, my friends. And we have to trust him. Okay, so they, <clears throat> the disciples were out in the middle of the sea. They were being battered by the wind. And remember last week we had this little sidebar conversation that in both the Hebrew and in the Greek languages, the word translated into English, uh, the word translated into various other words in English, wind, breath, spirit, they're all from the same word. And they're translated by context. So in Hebrew, it's the, it's the word rauch. And here in the Greek language, uh, in Matthew's gospel, it's the word pneuma. Uh, the pneuma, the, the wind was whipping out up the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and uh, yet we see by inference here that we find ourselves off, often being battered by the wind, if you will. It, actually, it's the spirit, the contrarian spirit of the culture in which we live. And that culture could be here in the United States, it could be in Eastern Europe, in Africa, in Western Europe, in South America, in Central America, it could be anywhere. It's a contrarian spirit that batters those that are in the bulwarks of the kingdom of God. And uh, if we concentrate on the wind, on the spirit, Say, look, look this, is, uh, this is against everything we're being taught by the Lord. Yes, you're right, it is. You say, all right, which is the stronger spirit, the spirit of the age or the spirit of the Lord? Well, we know the right answer there. Do we trust that answer? Do we trust the story here? So, <clears throat> he saw them and he came to them. Okay, he, he did. He saw them. Mark's gospel tells us he was still he was still up on the mountain, and he saw them. They were how many miles out to sea, and he saw them through the darkness, the fourth watch of the night. That's four o'clock in the morning. Bitter darkness, total darkness. It's a storm. There was no moonlight. All right, there's no guiding light to them. So they were just trying to to get someplace safe, and here comes Jesus walking to them on the water. You can find yourself in an absolutely untenable, impossible situation, and Jesus can come to you regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the opposition, He can come to you. Now, it's interesting, in, in one of the other Gospels, it says that he intended to, to pass them by. He was walking on the sea. Now, if it, was, if it was pitch black dark, how did they see him? How did they see him out there? Well, uh, what did they first assume? They assumed it was a ghost. And they were terrified. So, they could not see him clearly. Right? They, they saw what appeared to them to be an apparition. It wasn't a clear vision. Many times, even though, though we've been schooled in the, in the school of God, the Bible, uh, and in the school of hard situations, hard knocks we call it here in the U.S., 
we say, well, yeah, I can kind of see how God is working here, but it's really not plain to me. And we're still, well, we are still terrified. We see him, we see him at work, but we don't understand it. We don't understand if that's really him. Uh, our hearts are full of doubt. Come on, we can confess that to the Lord. Just like the man whose son was healed. Uh, or was it his daughter? He says, I, I do believe, but please help my unbelief. I can see maybe a two-dimensional Jesus. But can I see the whole Jesus? Well, with our human eyes, we cannot. And that, that's what, where these disciples were, my friends. They were in the desperate straits, dire situation here in, out in the middle of the sea, about to lose the boat, their lives, their expectations were being washed away with every wave that battered them. And they see an apparition. They see Jesus, but not clearly. And they cry out in fear, desperation, and terror. Cry out. And Jesus answers them. Even in their their cries, even their, in their confusion, even in their despair, they cry out to him and he responds to them. He says, do not fear. Take courage. It is I. My friends, my brothers and my sisters, if there's any word we need to take from the Lord, it is this word. Take courage. It is I. Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Our enemy would, would instill fear within us at every turn today. But God says, take courage. Take courage. I'm in charge. I'm sovereign. You can't see me clearly. You can't see the way I'm at work. You have to trust that it is me and that I am working all things together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. Do you do that? Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him? So he, they're crying out to Him. Their lives are completely out of control. And I'm sure there's some people in the sound of my voice whose lives seem to be completely running amok. They're completely out of control. They were terrified. And... They were crying out to God. My friends, if you're raising uh, your children, your little children, uh, not just little children, but perhaps they're teenagers. If, you're, if you have a, a position of, of influence in your grandchildren's lives, in the lives of other young people, perhaps people that you're discipling, teach them to cry out to God in their desperation, in their despair, cry out to God. You know, Peter's first prayer, uh, first uh, question, or, or uh, I guess his, his plea to Jesus was, Lord, if it's really you, uh, command me to come out. Uh, well, that was, that was one. But his second prayer 
was a lot more simple and is a lot more sincere. He says, Lord, save me. Did you get that one? When he, when he began to sink? <clears throat> wow. Uh, I've been there. Have you? Where I'm not gonna I'm not gonna weary him with long convoluted prayers. I'm gonna say, Lord, help. Just 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 I need help. And I'm not even gonna try to tell you how to do it. I just need help. And that's exactly what they're doing here. But Peter, he says, Lord, if it is you. Now, I don't know if we want to take time for a little Greek lesson here or not, but uh, but the little the little word "if" in in the Greek language, being such a pre- precise and technical language, that can get, that can be uh, that can occur in three different ways, actually four different ways. And I, I want I want, uh, well I really don't <clears throat> I'm not capable of telling you about all of that, but it's uh, four different cases of the conditional that's translated if. Uh, The first is, and that's the word here, it's uh, the expected outcome of the conditional if is positive. Uh, And we could just, uh, we could substitute the word since. And that's, 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 there's still a question in people Peter's mind here, but he's pretty certain that this is Jesus. So he says, if it's you, uh, he might really be saying, since it's you. Or, if it's really you, as I think it is, then only you can command me to come out and come to you. The second is is most certainly negative. You know, uh, when Satan was uh, tempting Jesus, and in many other they said, "Well, if you're the Son of God," and he he was saying, and and most certainly you're, you're well, Satan wouldn't say that because Satan knows better. Uh, he he knows who Jesus is. All right, but sometimes we say, "Well." If this is true, then, and we're expecting the if to turn out fa- uh, false, uh, you know, since it's really not you, okay? And then the, the third con- case or condition is it's undetermined. I, I don't know whether it's you or not. Uh, but in this case, Peter is saying, since it's you, Command me to come out. He wanted that. He he was convinced maybe in his head, but he wanted that heart convinced. Or maybe it was the other way around. But he says, only you could command me to come out on the water. And so, Jesus says, come. Now, we can we can get analytical about this thing. So, well, what if it wasn't him? What if it really was a, a demon out there? Uh, Jesus, uh, Peter wouldn't have gotten very far, would he? He just stepped one foot out of the boat and that foot would have gone under. And if he was dumb enough at that point to put the other foot out, he'd have gone under. And it wouldn't have taken long. It would just sink like a rock. But he was convinced partially, at least, that this was Jesus. So he says, come, and Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk towards him. 
Then a most curious thing happens. And the way, the, the way that uh, the narrative states it is almost humorous. He says, seeing the wind. When's the last time you saw the wind? We don't see the wind. We see the effects of the wind. But we don't see the wind. It's moving air. Okay, sometimes we don't see the effects of, of the Spirit of God or the spirit of the culture, but we certainly see the effects. And today, my friends, we can look around us and see the effects of the contrarian spirit of our culture. Again, it doesn't matter what country you live in or what part of what country. There is a contrarian spirit that is opposing the spirit of the living God, and we can see its effects. And... The point I want to make here is that Peter began to pay more attention and be focused on the effects of something he could not see than he was focused on the person he could see. And oh my, if that's, if that's not a recipe for disaster for Peter and for us, if we start looking at the effects of our contrarian culture, and we can get in such despair and so discouraged. And, and we have to say, okay, quit looking at that. Look at Jesus. And, and when he began to sink, what did he do? When he began to sink, he refocused. He says, Lord, Save me. And Jesus reached out his hand, picked him up. I think he rose him up out of that, out of that water. He says, why, why did you doubt, you man of little faith? And we say, yeah, man of little faith. Well, how, how far have you ever walked on water? So we, we've got to give Peter a little bit of credit here. But we also have to learn from his human weakness, right? And then they got into the boat and the wind stopped. Okay, this is not the first time this happened, is it? You'd, you'd think that by this time the disciples would learn. They would know, okay, uh, wind, waves, eh, doesn't matter. Jesus is here. But you remember uh, a previous incident when he got into the boat after teaching, said, let's go over to the other side, and he was in the boat. You can read this in Mark 4. And five, they were going to go over to encounter some demons. And, and here, here we are. We're out in the middle of the sea. The boat's about to sink. Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat. They said, don't you care that we're about to die? And he gets up. Why are you doubting? Where's your faith? And he rebukes the wind and the waves and it became calm. And so this is not the first time this has happened. But they reaffirm with this confession, you certainly are the Son of God. So, are you willing to get out of your boat? You say, well, I'm not, I don't have a boat. Uh, I mean, the happiest days in my, two days of my life is when I bought a boat and when I sold it, right? So, what is your boat? Uh, what's your plan for your life? Is it your plan or is it his plan? Uh, 
And, you know, looking at Peter's uh, requesting of Jesus, tell me to come to you, who else on earth, who else in the universe could, could do what he was asking Jesus to do? Nobody. When we pray, do we frame our prayers with the reality of our time-space-matter continuum? What we could do? Or do we only ask Him what He can do? I think by His grace and, and favor, uh, we are presented today with situations that only He can resolve. In our world today, in, in 2021, in June, we are in a situation that only God can resolve. Now, we may want to tell Him how to resolve it. You know, remove this leader, or why don't you put this guy back in charge of our country, or our state, or our city. All right, let's stop that. Stop trying to tell God how to do what will glorify Him alone. Let's say, God, we we are living in a culture that opposes you at every turn, but we are with you. So we need your help. Would you redeem our nation? Would you raise up godly counsel? Would you raise up godly leaders even? But, you know, the leaders, the human beings in charge, really are not the critical element. It's what God's going to do through them. That's the critical element. So we have to quit trying to tell God how to run his business, basically. And we have to get out of the boat, quit trusting ourselves, our own resources, our own talents, we have to say, what is your boat? What are you trusting? Is it your career? Is it your family situation or lack thereof? Is it uh, the economy? <laughs> your finances? Is it, are you trusting in a relationship? Is that your boat? Are you trusting in your plans for the future? And you say, I've got this plan. Uh, I'm pre I've prepared for it. I'm ready for it. I've got the personal resources. Well, that's your boat. You think, you, you think that boat can't sink? Well, the bottom line in all this is that we must be willing to abandon whatever it was to get out of the boat. We have to be willing to abandon all that we've naturally trusted in order to follow Him. And when He says come, we've got to get out of the boat. He's told me several times, come. And I've left my country and my family and gone to other countries and other cultures where I, I didn't speak the language. And I've trusted Him. To use me for his glory. And I, I believe he has. It's not my glory. I get nothing out of that. But he gets glory. And the word of God gets propagated. And, and the culture is out there. But you got to be willing to get out of the boat. People say that makes no sense. I don't care. 
I don't care if it makes sense or not. If God says do it, now you got to make sure it's Him speaking. Just like Peter. If somebody else had told him to come, he'd have died right there. But Jesus told him to come. When Jesus tells you to come, you come. When He says go, you go. And He goes with you, whether you can see Him or not. Okay, we've talked about a lost focus when Jesus, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at the effects of the wind. We've we've talked about that. Uh, we got to maintain focus. Uh, the Karate Kid, in part three or four or five, whatever it was, uh, we're trying. Uh, you know, the 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 Sinji says uh, your focus needs more focus. Your focus needs more focus. Well, a lot of times we need more focus. We need to say, wait a minute, what am I looking at here? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. Man, that is such a powerful statement. Note that they did get back in the boat. All right, Peter and Jesus got back in the boat. The the rest of the disciples were just, they were still straining. They were just trying to keep the boat from sinking. But Peter's out here on the water with Jesus. Now they got in the boat and the wind died down immediately. All right. And Mark chapter 6, verse 51 says, uh, says that they were utterly astonished by the wind's ceasing. Uh, verse 52 of Mark's Gospel says, uh, Because of their hardened hearts, they had not gained personal insight from the previous day, uh, from the feeding of the thousands, uh, or even from what was going on that night. They didn't understand. All they knew is that Jesus and Peter got back in the boat, the wind stopped, and they were safe. That's all they knew. And they couldn't understand it. They were amazed, astonished. As my British friends would say, gobsmacked. They didn't understand. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. He demonstrated for them and for us, my friends, through this narrative that he is the Lord of all creation. And in John's Gospel, chapter 6, so they were willing to receive him into the boat. Yeah, I guess. Uh, if, it, if it's Jesus, I'm wanting him in my boat. And they were, they were put to rest when they received him. All their fears were put to rest when they received him. Without Jesus... A man's life, a woman's life is futile futile, and is fearsome. I don't care how, how big a man, I don't care how courageous a woman you are, without Jesus, your life is going to be, be encumbered and wrapped around, uh, straight-jacketed in fear. All their fruitless struggles, all their mortal fears all their perceived danger and doubt were put to rest when they received him man what power jesus john alone in his gospel chapter 6 says that their journey was immediately complete now that immediately may mean soon it may mean from uh, the disciples uh, perspective that they 
that they uh, quickly gained shore. But the fact is, their struggles were over for the moment. Their struggles were over for the moment. They were where they needed to be. <clears throat> and that's the encouragement that we have this morning, my friends. And, you know, they didn't get to rest very long. Uh, in John's Gospel, chapter 6, uh, we see that the, the crowds caught up with them again. They came in boats. They came on land, perhaps. They, they, but they came. And nothing is said about, the, about them having encountered a storm. They just came and they were wanting free bread again. Uh, and, and, of course, other teaching ensues upon that. But the question that we're going to close with t today, my friends, uh, are these. Will God ever ask you to do something that's, quote, dangerous, unquote? And will you be willing? Now, you really can't answer that right now because you say... <laughs> There's no way I'm getting out of a boat. You can't answer that. Peter could not have gotten out of that boat and walked on the water if it weren't for Jesus. When Jesus spoke to him with the single word, come, he was manifesting grace. The power, the motivation, and the desire and the will and uh, ability to do his will. So, you say, well, will God ever ask you to do something dangerous? He, most, he very well may. I'm not going to tell you he will, but he very well may. Are you willing for, to hear him ask you to do something that's dangerous? That's, where, that's the question. Not, uh, wait a minute, well, ask me first and then I'll tell you. No, it doesn't work that way. The way it works is, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, I trust you to give me the grace to do it. Because it may it may be, require, be requiring uh, you abandoning your boat. Uh, I know a missionary family uh, couple today uh, in a foreign country, very dangerous situations. Uh, they were both fully occupied in their secular occupations. But God called them to get out of the boat. Trust me. Trust me. And they did. And I, that's that's just one couple I'm thinking about right this minute. He's done that time and time again. Get out of the boat. Get, abandon what you've what you've previously clung to as security and safety and reasonableness and follow me. That's where you're going to see God at work. Okay, don't focus on the winds of the spirit of the culture and its effects, the devastation that the enemy is wreaking on the entire world. Focus on Jesus. Lead me and I will follow. Follow Jesus, I will follow Jesus. Are you going to sing that song? Pray with me, my friends. Father God, I thank you so much for the ability to, to 
study your word together across the miles. Uh, There's some people listening to this that are thousands of miles from here. There are some people that are busy in their various avocations or vocations. Uh, It doesn't matter. Living God, through your living and powerful word, you speak truth into our lives. And you tell us to take courage. Take courage. Trust you. And do not be afraid. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you, my friends. Get out of the boat and follow Jesus.